Welcome to the Activist Insight Podcast, Beyond the Boardroom, a supplement to our monthly podcast, which takes you through the top shareholder activism stories as told by Activist Insight Monthly. Here we discuss shareholder activism with some of the industry's top experts. I'm Ilana DeRay, a financial reporter with Activist Insight. And today, we are chatting with Michael Fine, Executive Vice President and Head of U.S. Operations at proxy solicitation firm Kingsdale Advisors. Michael works with corporate clients to achieve their objectives in shareholder elections, focusing on transactions and activist campaigns. His expertise spans corporate governance, executive compensation, and special situations, and he has worked with various clients, including Arcturus and Enzo Biochem. Today, Michael will share some tactics companies can use to convince shareholders to support their campaigns. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. I imagine the first step in gaining shareholder support is actually figuring out who those shareholders are. How does a company identify its voters and what their voting processes are? Thanks, Alana. While understanding who your shareholders are certainly is an important early step in gaining shareholder support, I'd argue that it's not really the first step. The first step, of course, is strong stock performance. And while we've seen that no company is truly immune to activism, regardless of size, sector, and so forth, a company that generates positive returns for its shareholders is significantly more likely to have a supportive shareholder base. But understanding who your shareholders are is clearly essential. I've always said that the role of a proxy solicitor is that of a campaign manager in a corporate election. So if you want to achieve a certain outcome at the polls, you need to know who's voting. ID and stock surveillance are clearly critical, not only from the standpoint of knowing who to reach out to, but also understanding what's going to drive their voting decisions. As a proxy solicitation and shareholder advisory firm, we create a list of record date holders, and then we overlay on top of that our institutional knowledge of what drives their particular voting decisions. Uh, For example, we maintain a proprietary database of investors that includes such information uh, such as proxy voting contacts, voting guidelines, voting history on specific uh, proposals, subscriptions and adherence to the various proxy advisory firms, uh, feedback from prior engagement, as well as uh, investors' propensity to support management or a dissident. So can you tell us more about the value of shareholder ID and stock surveillance? Sure. Relying solely on public filings is a major mistake. Due to the inherent lag in filing requirements, the data is stale, and that highlights the need for a good stock surveillance program. Shareholder ID and stock surveillance is an invaluable tool in our industry, not only for the obvious reasons just discussed, but it also serves some other functions. For example, uh, proactive monitoring can provide companies with a clearer understanding of any unusual trading activity or spikes in trading volume. A good stock surveillance program can be a canary in the coal mine and alert companies of the emergence of activists as well as provide some intel or additional color on follow-on buying from any sympathetic hedge funds following a 13D filing. Also, at Kingsdale, we monitor short interest extremely closely as it can have a meaningful impact on the outcome of a campaign. So, In order to establish a short position, you need to borrow shares. So if there's a big short interest, someone obviously has their shares out on loan. And that's typically a large index fund, which may often lend their shares as a way to squeeze out some extra return. However, 
if shares are out on loan on the record date, they're not part of the lender's votable position. So it's essential to reach out to pockets of anticipated support before the record date and encourage those holders to recall their shares so their entire position is votable. There have been situations where companies were relying on a certain position being supportive, yet when the vote came in, the support was less than anticipated because a significant number of shares were out on loan. What are the various outreach or messaging channels and techniques used to contact shareholders? I'd characterize the outreach channels into two basic buckets. First, you have the traditional, where it's your, you know, your proxy statement is on file, mailing fight letters and ballots, uh, as well as physical meetings with larger institutions, and of course, phone calls. Uh, there are some rare cases where if a company can get out ahead of the dissident, there's potentially a short window to televote and take uh, holders' votes over the phone uh, prior to the campaign being deemed contested by Broadridge. And then the second bucket is, you know, a bit more of the kind of modern cutting edge uh, bucket, if you will, where there are dedicated campaign websites, videos, even video players, where we saw in the case of uh, Elliott's campaign against Arconic, uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, texts and emails. So, you know, once again, you need to know your audience and utilize the most effective channels based on shareholder composition. Oftentimes, you know, a variety of these channels uh, may be used. And additionally, we reach out to ensure that the proxy voting committees and the governance teams are aware of the upcoming vote and have all the information that they need and will offer up meetings with the company uh, when appropriate. Thanks for that explanation. So which methods work best for which types of investors? Of course. So obviously a different approach uh, has a more effective impact on, uh, you know, different categories of, of shareholders. Uh, for your largest holders and your institutional holders, uh, obviously an in-person meeting is often expected and uh, will have the greatest impact. Uh, and for retail, typically that's where you'll see uh kind of the, the telephonic outreach and the websites having more of an impact. As we know, proxy recommendations are extremely important and can sometimes make or break a campaign. How can a company garner support from proxy advisory firms like Institutional Shareholder Services and Glass-Lewis? That's a good point, Ilana. Uh, but it's important to appreciate that while the proxy advisory firms certainly wield a significant amount of influence, companies shouldn't rely too heavily on their recommendations as a be-all, end-all. Since a substantial number of ISS and Glass-Lewis subscribers vote on a case-by-case basis when it comes to proxy contests. That said, in order to garner their support, you need to understand their specific guidelines. What drives their recommendations? For example, ISS uses a two-prong approach when an activist is nominating a control slate. The first hurdle is, did the activist make a compelling case that change is needed? But secondly, the activists must establish that their nominees are best qualified to effectuate that change. So in those scenarios, especially if there's a push to replace uh, the CEO, there's an emphasis on the activists demonstrating a business plan that will provide for a smooth transition in the event that there's a significantly uh, reconstituted board. In contrast, a company should highlight the merits of its nominees and ideally have a diverse slate. And when I say diversity, I'm not just talking about gender and ethnic diversity, 
but also diversity of experience and a complementary uh, skill set. Uh, and they should also uh, put forth a slate that's devoid of hot-button issues, such as overboarding or long tenure. Uh, engagement with the proxy advisory firms obviously is key, both through a deck that articulates the merits of the company's position and illustrates the flaws of the dissidence thesis, as well as through in-person meeting or call where the nominees need to be prepared to make a compelling case. And while engaging directly with the proxy advisors is important, the proxy advisors themselves also like to see a history of engaging with shareholders and being responsive to those shareholders. What impact do voting projections have on potential settlement terms? How does the company project the vote count? I've always been a big believer in having as much intel as possible in order to make the most informed decision. Voting projections play an important role in handicapping the likelihood of a campaign success. Having a strong sense of shareholder support can embolden a company, certainly, to uh, uh, fight the fight and uh, stand firm on settlement terms, whereas, you know, more vocal dissatisfaction in the market or even a significant degree of uncertainty could influence a company uh, perhaps to cut a deal if they can avoid a total defeat. The vote projection process ties into the shareholder ID component that we touched on a moment ago. And once record date holders are established, we create a vote projection report that takes into account established voting guidelines, proxy advisor influence, if any, prior voting history, and any communicated support, as well as factoring in the dissidents position and any of their known or likely supporters that they may have And then we generate vote projections based on various scenarios and anticipated voter turnout. In your opinion, when should the company settle and when should the company continue the fight? That really comes down to, uh, you know, the classic cost-benefit analysis. Clearly, if a company has heard the activist thesis but, you know, maintains a strong conviction in their own plan and can effectively communicate that there's nothing new to the concept that the activist is is putting forth uh, that they haven't already themselves considered uh, and rejected for legitimate strategic reasons, then there's an argument uh, to fight the fight. That said, a proxy fight obviously is extremely costly, and I'm not just referring to the financial expense of, you know, paying the uh, army of advisors and, and reaching out multiple times to perhaps, you know, hundreds of thousands of shareholders. In addition to to that financial expense, there's also the distraction expense of of a proxy contest. Proxy fights uh, can be enormously intense. They're extremely time-consuming, and they take, uh, you know, management and the board away from focusing on the business at hand. There's also the reputational risk involved, as we've seen so many of these campaigns ending up being quite personal in nature. So it's rare that there's a situation where it's truly cut and dried. Uh, proxy contests are often more nuanced, where there can be some merit to both sides' cases. Uh, that said, I'd argue that a settlement can be a viable option and should be considered if it can be achieved on reasonable terms. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. That was Michael Fine, an Executive Vice President at Kingsdale Advisors. 
That's it for this episode of the Activist Insight Podcast, Beyond the Boardroom. If you would like to join us on a future episode, or if you have any comments or questions, please email press at activistinsight.com. Please do rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you are using to help others access our reporting. I'm Ilana Duray. Thanks for listening.